is what's going on and welcome back to another episode of the Kimura Chronicles. It's Jay Rant with my co-host Mr. Val Cisco. What's up brother? How you doing? I'm doing fantastic man. How are you doing sir? I'm doing good bro. I am chilling. You know it's been a crazy week in MMA. We're going to do a little different episode today but watching some Avengers, talking to you, talking some MMA is always good. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm sipping on another Bud Light for today on a nice, Ooh. beautiful Thursday evening. Ooh. And I'm ready to talk some nonsense when it comes to the world of professional MMA. So let's get into it, man. Ooh, Thirsty Thursdays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's already getting crazy. But like you said, let's just talk. <laughs> let's talk some craziness that's been going on in the MMA world. We're just going to have a little barbershop talk episode usually we do recaps reviews news like that i feel like we barely do barbershop episodes here and i think barbershop episodes are pretty fucking interesting you know it shows our craziness our kookiness and we get some mma news so while we were doing our other one quick cheap plug elite wrestling audio last Mm -hmm. episode is out now um you brought up the interesting topic let's just address the elephant in the room mr rumble johnson your boy was like i guess he was on the run, he was a fugitive because he got arrested two days after his Bellator debut for identity fraud for using a illegal credit card that wasn't his, man. Like, wow. Tell me tell me how you feel about that because I know you brought it up in the last episode. So I know you want to get it off your chest. <laughs> well, you know, this is it. I think me as a Rumble Johnson fan, I put a lot of stock into him over mm. the years. And... You know, as fans, you know, we like to look at these as like larger than life characters that have a certain responsibility to the sport and whatnot, right? They get paid the big bucks because they're supposed to be the most responsible professional fighters. And Rumble Johnson, man, incident, not after incident, but the incidents that do happen, man, like this take a toll on his career. I mean, first it was it was the dieting issues and the steroid issues. Mm-hmm. I, I can understand that one. But then getting into like alleged domestic assault issues, uh, that was like what, well, almost like ten years ago, maybe yeah. a little less. Mm-hmm. And now this right here, it's like, what's happening right now, man? And I don't know, man. Every time I want to just be by my man's side, he knows how to shut things down real quick. Yeah, bro. I I, I don't know. I feel you. And it was a, uh, it was the illegal use of a credit card to purchase a round trip from Florida to New Jersey. Newark, may I add. So, <laughs> like, what you doing, bro? But yeah, I mean, I guess it was always one thing after another with Rumble. And I, I just want to ask you real quick, because I was actually talking to this about my father. My father was like, bro, you get the big bucks. You're in the limelight. You're a superstar. You know, especially with the caliber that Rumble is. We know this dude was knocking people out in the welterweight division. So he mm-hmm. has the power, and now he's at the light heavyweight division. He looks slim, perfect, like... He was getting his career back on track. And we get this. So what is it? Is it like really sometimes like they say you can take somebody out the hood, but you can't take the hood out of them? Not saying that he's hood, but, you know, I, I mean, we grew up in the hood, too, bro. We from the Bronx. So, like, what is it? Sometimes these people can't escape this life. Is it they just don't want to get away from it or is it just really that they can't cut it out? You know, um, and you know how I was saying earlier that sometimes we look at these people as larger than life. Mm-hmm. And we also have to remember this, that. You know, they're human cats just like you and me, man. And mm-hmm. we all have, you know, are imperfect in some kind of way. 
And I'm not covering for the dude whatsoever. I don't know what the dude's going through, but it always seems like he has some kind of hardship that us, the fans, the audience, in a way, yeah. we don't see. We don't know the struggles that this guy goes through. We just know the stories that are put out by the media. Mm-hmm. I, and I get it. They're not the best stories whatsoever. This is not the greatest story either. But it, it hurts a little bit because you want to see this guy get to the peak where he where he should be. And we almost saw that in UFC, and then something happened. And then, of course, right here with Bellator, he's in this tournament. Things are looking really great for him. Looks like he's going to be, you know, that that face, that that competitor, that that big deal that we all knew he would be. And again, it's like fate slaps him in the back of the ass and mm-hmm. says, nah, not today. Yeah, and it, it's something that he can't escape. I get it. We're all humans. We all, you know, do F-ups and shit. And look at me, I'm trying to cover up the F-bomb, but I say shit. <laughs> like, you know, we, do, we have our fuck-ups. I mean, I get it, you know, but it's something that it, it's it's a stigma with him because when I was online, I was just reading it. People were saying, this guy's a problem. There's always an issue with this guy. Um, He's been accused of being women as well, yada, yada, yada. So I don't know, man. Like you said, he's looking very good in this light heavyweight tournament, but you get slapped with this. Do you think... Scott Coker just banks in on Rumble with this little stigma that's going on and just go full-blown in, like, all right, I'm going to keep him in here. Let's do the damn thing. It'll bring eyes to my product, or what do you do? I mean, most likely that's what Scott's going to do. I don't see anything super in jeopardy for the upcoming fights that are going to happen. So unless something actually does happen, he has to serve some time. That's a different story. But I don't know, man. It's it's tough. Before you get to there, it's Mm -hmm. tough because of the fact that Coker, he does a lot of shady booking sometimes just for an audience. So that's why I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. You know, I I definitely, definitely do agree with you on that where he does some shady booking. So, I mean, it is hopefully, I mean, hopefully he he avoids jail time. Because like you said, in Connecticut, I was reading the article, it's a third degree class D felony and he can serve up to five years in prison with a fine and probation and uh, I think up to $5,000, they said. So, I don't know, man. It kind of sucks. We were all excited for this return. And this is this is what we got. So, hopefully, he can avoid that prison time, bro. So, that kind of sucks, man. It, it does suck. And I, I, I'll throw this to you right here. Mm-hmm. Just almost on a parallel, if you will. And uh, indulge me in this conversation right here. John Jones has mm-hmm. consistently been in this position, yet... He is revered as still one of the best, if not the greatest MMA superstar of this generation. And it seems that with the negative aspect and the negative limelight that's on Rumble right now, as much Jones gets hate, it's more love. But he embraces this rock star, fuck off, middle fingers, flipping the bird at you attitude, and people eat it up. Um, why do you mm-hmm. see the, the differences? Do you think it's because of the embrace of the bad guy? Yeah, it's, it's, it's two things. It's the embrace of the bad guy because, um, why do I feel like somebody's just done that recently? Oh, Aljamain Sterling. Yeah. Um, these fighters, they say, F it, you're going to hate me. I might as well troll you and give me a reason to hate me even more. So I think one, the embrace of the bad guy, people just want to see him get his ass kicked. So that's why. And also, I think, I mean, you compare records and track records and stuff like that and body of work. I think John Jones, regardless of the shenanigans that he has done, 
I mean, you cannot argue what he does inside the octagon. So I think it's those two things. But it's mostly probably embracing the bad guy because he does get a lot of heat, honestly. But he's still revered as a GOAT. And a lot of people would say possibly he's in top five for, for like, you know, the GOAT conversation. What, yeah. what do you think it is with, with John Jones? Um, oh, man, it's... Because I know, you know you're a fan of him. I, I am. a fan of him, yeah. He, 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 he goes into business for himself. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's the smart part about it is that he knows that he has to come up with a character. It's pro wrestling 101. You mm-hmm. got to come up with a character. You got to get over some, some way, somehow. And he has, whether he was, you know, the nice guy rescuing, you know, a damsel in distress in the streets of Newark to, you know, now just being the, the ultra badass, but, you know, takes no, takes no names, but takes no fights either. Um, it's really weird. I think the fans like that kind of rock star mentality. Yeah. But I will say this: people are restless. Can we can we stay on the topic with Jones for a second? Yeah, sure, brother. It's barbershop so, talk. <laughs> so, how do you feel about those recent comments with um, the Jones Stipe fight? Um, Jones specifically saying that he wouldn't fight him now, but once he has a title, he'll be the you know first one to give him a title shot. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you're just glory hunting, brother. You just, you know, that's all. I, I think John Jones is looking for one big cash out, and he's ready to walk out mm-hmm. in the UFC, bro. I think he's ready. He already has his foot out the door, one foot out the door. Um, I, I, I think that's what he's looking for. He's looking for a payday, and he wants that big fight. That's why he was asking for that outrageous money to fight in Ghanu. How much was it that he was asking? Like 58 mil along those lines? I don't remember the number exactly, but it was astronomical. So I think he's looking for one big red panty night, and he's just going to call it quit and walk out. You know, do you say that, that red penny night kind of like uh, payout? Mm-hmm. I think it's deserved, man. And after this weekend and just going mm-hmm. through numbers and going through stuff, hell, I was having a conversation with my dad about the sports, boxing mm-hmm. and MMA. And we were talking and how, you know, that Canelo fight did mm-hmm. money, millions. And mm-hmm. the fan attendance was there, sold out, broke records. And I'm here thinking, like, Okay, these fighters get paid hefty in boxing, but the sport is floundering, yet MMA is flourishing in different organizations with consistency in these organizations as well, too. And it's not really even a one-fight kind of event. Most of the time when you watch an MMA event, I want to say five out of... No, um, okay. Four out of the five fights, they're all pretty much bangers. Mm -hmm. So why is it that we still have this stigma to pay less for MMA but glorify boxing and pay him up the ass for a subpar show half the time? I think it could be the fact that, oh, man, how how can I – a gentleman's sport. There you go. I think it's just the lineage and the history that boxing has where it's kind of like, you know, this is the gentleman's sport. Let's just throw fisticuffs like men to men. And sure, that's all fine and dandy back then. So I think that's why boxers just get paid that much because of boxing. It's this history behind it, this rich history. Um, and, that, and it still boggles me that it's still the most popular sport in the world, really. Like combat, co- combat sport, I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
And I think it's more for like the whole vibe, the circus that it is, and everything that goes out. Because, like you said, the Canelo fight did freaking amazing. Look at the Thriller Fight Club; it did amazing. I, I really don't know, but I think that's what it is. As opposed to you look at MMA, you know, kind of like you could say boxing is the quarterback, because you know quarterbacks are usually pretty boys. And then you got the MMA, which is the rugged defender, the linebacker, and people look at MMA more of a Human cockfighting, I think. So, I mean, the fan, as a fan, they should be like, bro. I mean, we have a lot of fans that have been vocal and, and they're saying, bro, pay your fighters. But I, I, I don't, I really don't know that stigma. But I just think it's just the fact of the lineage that boxing has compared to like MMA, bro. They just look at it as a brutal. All right, these dudes go out there and stuff like that and just like human cockfighting. And, and it sucks, man. Yeah, it is. It, that that definitely sucks right there because, you know, you have a person like John Jones who, by all accounts, is kind of undefeated. You take that one blemish out, he's undefeated. Uh, and which one was that? To the the man? Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So you take that blemish out of his career, and you know this is an undefeated fighter who has dominated the sport. Uh, who's going on mm-hmm. now? a new generation of fighters coming into the sport and taking on those challenges as well, too, in different weight classes. You would think, like, this is a type of fighter that deserves the type of, I guess, um, money that a Koto would be making in boxing mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, Roy Jones would be making in his, you know, prime as well, too. Like, why shouldn't John Jones be making that mm-hmm. money? Why shouldn't the UFC be paying these fighters um, the wages like boxing? I mean, hell... I look at this comparison too, and maybe I'm ignorant. And I understand if I am ignorant to the sport, I could understand that. But maybe I'm ignorant to the fan base as well too. And if I am, if I offend anybody, I apologize. If you're a boxing fan, rock and roll. But in my head, Canon, if I'm booking something like Conor McGregor versus GSP in Madison Square Garden, or Goto versus Canelo too. I don't know why I feel that GSP and Connor would sell out faster than Cotto and Canelo. Could I be wrong mm. there? Ah, could you be wrong? I think they would sell out even, honestly. I mean, I don't know what it is, but just boxing has this allure, this this thing. I mean, I think they would sell out evenly, bro. I mean, I, I see you look at the fighters, you hear the caliber, you look at the marquee, you walk by Madison Square Garden, you look at the little LED sign scrolling, GSP versus Connor, uh, Canelo versus Cotto. They're both they're both alluring fights, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think the boxing, it's just, like I said, what I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but boxing just has this lineage that just carries in it and it draws people crazy. I don't know if it's just like, all right, a night on the town, like, hey, honey, let's go watch the boxing fight. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe it's just been around for that long. But I think they would sell out evenly, in my opinion, honestly. Okay. I, I, and um, I, I, I could get that. But, like, then, like, what's – then you start looking at John Jones' opinion on things mm-hmm. and saying, well, what's the point of me as a fighter being the best fighter in this organization where you guys are selling out, you know, stadiums? Not even just like arenas anymore. You guys are trying to do stadiums. You're trying to, you know, go to Abu Dhabi and sell out that and whatnot. Different countries, worldwide success. Something that boxing does do, but not that much. It does it on occasion, where the UFC does it pretty much every damn year. So, 
all this money going into the showmanship, to the production, to the the myth that is the UFC, the legend that is the UFC. Why aren't these fighters getting paid legendary uh, deals or payouts or contracts? I don't know. You you just would have to start looking at his management as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, may, do you think maybe if they would have just well, no, I I I don't know, man. It just has to fall on management, I think, because. There's no reason why. Hey, if if you're a boxing fan and tuning in, you know, no offense, but I mean, MMA is more dangerous than boxing, and we've seen people go out there in MMA just continue with with broken arms. Look at Uriah Faber; he fought Mike Brown with two broken wrists, and he defended his belt. I mean, he lost the belt, but he was defending it with two broken wrists. Boxing, you go out there, you got the corner throwing the towel. Diva sport. So, to me, it's more dangerous. They should be getting paid tons of money, but I think it just falls on the management. That's why, you know, it sucks that they took these endorsements away because fighters would eat off of that. So, it it definitely sucks, man. I don't know. I think it's a stigma that will always be carried with MMA. They won't be getting paid. Like, you even got bare knuckle where Paige Van Zandt said she made in one night what she did. Like, and even, even, but no. Even Bellator pays their fighters a tad bit better because Corey Anderson said, bro, I've made more here than I've made, like, what, in five, six years in UFC or whatever? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so it just has to fall in management, then that's what it is. Stingy Dana ass white. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's the the crux of the conversation today is that Mm -hmm. it's not a thing that John Jones won't get paid at MMA because I could see – I could sure – Sure as shit right now, I will say this. John Jones, for all the training he's doing, I bet you he's working on his boxing, and he yeah. sees the buttload of money that boxers are getting paid. If mm-hmm. he doesn't get what he wants right now, he could easily get into a heavyweight picture in boxing somehow and make yeah. millions for no damn reason. I agree. And speaking about boxing, he definitely is looking, because now we got Anderson Silva. You know, He's going to have a boxing match after he left the UFC. Frank Mir just had a boxing match. So it's something that these MMA fighters are transitioning into seeing the pay. Um, speaking, we got even Chuck Liddell, like <laughs> being a ref in a, in a freaking in a celebrity match. We got Lamar Odom from the Lakers taking on Aaron Carter. He had a little hip hop R and B artist, whatever you want to call him, Aaron Carter. Uh, wasn't he like the brother of somebody from Backstreet Boys? Yeah, he's Nick Carter's <laughs> yeah, little fucking yeah. brother. <laughs> And he's boxing Lamar Odom, and he got Chuck Liddell on this. My, this is, I want to get your views on this. Chuck Liddell is a UFC Hall of Famer. Chuck Liddell, am I wrong or is this? I mean, you know me, I, I have some high standards. Sometimes I'm just like very old school like that, and I believe in brotherhood. I believe in honoring, and I, you know, very, how can I say, upfront. You're loyal. Uh, You're very loyal. loyal. There you go. That's the word. Yeah. Is it just me? Maybe this is just me reading too much into lines, but I feel like Chuck Liddell is being disloyal to the MMA sport and the brotherhood that, you know, this is because you're out there being a fanboy with Jay Paul after he knocked out one of your fellow MMA fighters, uh, Ben Astrid. Now you're stamping your name all over this celebrity dumbass boxing fights. Like, is that just me looking too much into it or is he just trying to make a quick buck? Quick buck. Not even a quick buck. Relevance. That's all mm-hmm. it is. Okay. I don't even think that uh, it's about a money situation at this moment in time. I think that Chuck Liddell is slowly seeing that his mortality is catching up to him. <laughs> and the Iceman is not coming anymore. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> I think that he's just trying to be as relevant as possible. And he sees, 
he sees things like what's happening mm-hmm. in the world of fucking boxing with Logan Paul and Jake Paul and what they're yeah. doing with their with their fights. What's it called? Thriller? Thriller, thriller yeah. Thriller, yeah, thriller, yeah it's fucking uh, called. Yeah. <laughs> On the vanilla thriller, whatever they're doing mm. over there with with their antics and whatnot, they're seeing the reception they're getting from the audience, from you know the the me generation, generation mm. me right now, because it's all about me in this generation. Um, you're looking at the YouTube audience, the TikTok audience, you know, the Instagram followers and models out there, you know, all those um, you know stands out there. They're the ones that are putting the bucks into their pockets right now, and you know, Chuck Liddell is trying to be mm-hmm. ahead of the game and sees Mike Tyson doing it in AEW. Not to throw wrestling into this, but he sees people like Mike Tyson using their status to boost up ratings and ratings might equal some kind of payout uh, or relevancy. And that's all it is, man. That's all it is. And I feel bad because this looks like this old man Chuck and old man Chuck is just bored. Oh yeah. I, I don't know, bro. My fault. Um, I, you, you do make a good point. It could be relevancy because Chuck Liddell has been MIA. So mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I do appreciate though. Dana White saying I'm not feeding no more MMA fighters to this boxing shenanigans. So I do appreciate those comments. Um, speaking about characters, speaking about craziness, chiller, thriller, fight club, all that shenanigans. Um, Colorful character, Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez has always been colorful. We know he's always been a colorful fighter. He's always been out there with the yes car wheel, the yes chant, and everything. But he fell into the hands of Joshua Fabia. I'm going to call him Fabian. I like calling him Fabian for some reason, whatever. But he fell into his hands. And I just recently read an article where, and I'm going to be honest, if this is going to offend somebody, then, you know, I apologize. Um... This is a conversation I dealt with having with you off the podcast. <laughs> this is raw, unscripted shit right here. Um, so I read an article that, you know, ever since Diego Sanchez has been with this dude, Joshua, he has kind of been on the decline. Like you said, very cult-like mentality. He's kind of eating his, his little fucking cerebro. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen the weird training videos where Diego's hanging upside down and this dude's just like kicking him. <laughs> Where's the Joshua? <laughs> yeah. So, so now, now we read that Diego Sanchez had to disown family members. This guy disowned family members for this schmuck. And it's a very cult-like mentality. He said, I did it to remain loyal to Joshua. I mean, <laughs> bro. I mean, let what's going on here? Like, is Diego that weak-minded? Um, did this guy sell Diego dreams? Or is he eating a box of nerds out of his butthole? Is Diego Sanchez's man candy, bro? There has to be something going on. Like, what do you think it is? You know, this is cult-like mentality. This is like Scientology 101, man. Mm-hmm. You go ahead, you know, you, you try to build somebody up to a certain standard. You make sure you gain their trust. You make sure that you're in their zone as much as possible. And then you start labeling people as SPs, as they call them, suppressive people mm-hmm. or personalities. And you, you X those SPs out your life. So that way you can have full control, full autonomy of this person. And mm-hmm. that's what's happening with Diego right now, man. Like, it, at first it was like, wow, Diego, like, you're going a little crazy, but you've always been kind of crazy. Right. Now it's getting to the point where it's like, 
you kind of feel bad for the dude like he's mm-hmm. going down a rabbit hole where I dare say it and people if you get offended I I'm sorry. I don't wish this, but we might see Diego on like Channel 7 News at 9 o'clock or 7 o'clock in a bad situation. And I don't want to see that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's crazy where where this guy's going, man. We, we've known he's always colorful, like you said. But this dude, I just really wish somebody gets through him or he just sees the shenanigans because this dude doesn't know what he's doing. He's not no trainer. He don't know what he's doing. But, I mean, I, I definitely do feel bad about Diego, but I do want to accent at least the good that the UFC is doing because previous podcasts, I've bashed Dana. You've bashed him as well. Um, they have enrolled him, you know, in a program to study his brain for fighters, you know, health, mental health, and things of that nature. So at least I do appreciate the UFC trying to reach out to him. And because it, it, everybody sees it, there's clearly something wrong with him. The damage is done and everything. So maybe, hopefully, maybe this is just me just spitballing here for no fucking reason but hopefully while he's in there and maybe dana gets in his ear man because this guy's just been terrible for him honestly yeah yeah. Uh, not to cut you off on i apologize there but like this is also like as much as he's saying that he's gonna do this and that he's also a byproduct of what dana white has done to a lot of fighters in the ufc you know cash him out and leave him hanging for dry that's really about it and i'll be honest i'll say it i look at some of the fighters out there and they're in sometimes not the best shape in the world, leaving this. Um, mm-hmm. They don't have, like, su- sufficient amount of, like, money sometimes. They don't even have sufficient amount of skills to make it in the real world after yeah. fighting as well, too. Sometimes mm-hmm. all they know is motherfucking fighting. Yeah. And, you know, you look at a person like Vanderlei Silva, who still struggles to today. Like, he has things that he can do. He has his gym. You know, he, he, he can teach if he wants to. He works with different companies as well, too, with the Valetudo and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you strip that away from him, you strip his identity. A lot of fighters are like that. And Diego Sanchez is a byproduct of what Dana White has done with the MMA community. He is, go ahead, be ruthless. Oh, your manager's saying something? All right, get the fuck out. With all the talk that we've... We've had, like you said, Vanderlei Silva, Diego Sanchez. Look at your boy. A lot of fighters. Look at your boy, Uncle Creepy, um, Ian, Ian McCall. These dudes are on psychedelic to heal the trauma that they, you know, endure. Why do you think, you know, kind of talking about the pay, why do you think the UFC still has not, you know, set up a pension for retired fighters or to help them out after? Um, I, I think they look at it as independent contractors in a way, uh, at the same time, having them contractually working only for the UFC. I think it's kind of like that carnival mentality of paying fucking fighters, man. Um, yeah. You know, there's no MMA union, and if and I hear that they're trying to work it out to, mm-hmm. uh, to be legit, which would be fantastic. Unionize as much as possible. That way, you are taken care of. Medically, physically, spiritually, all that stuff right there need to be taken care of. But I guarantee you, though, there are people just say, fuck a union, we don't want that, you know, drinking the Dana White, Scott Coker, or Kool-Aid, and okay of getting paid this amount of money just as long as they get the bonus checks. Yeah. I think a lot of these fighters, speaking about Diego and praying, and cult-like mentality, a lot of these fighters do get preyed on because this is all they know, like you said. So as long as they're out there beating some ass, just fighting in their environment, man, they'll fight for whatever. 
I mean, you got bare knuckle FC, which is always preying on fighters. So, well, here's another one for you, man. Like, you know, not to throw too many people out there, and you know, Dana White did make make some comments about him as well too. But your boy recently, their loss for Donald Cerrone. Mm-hmm. He's actually going to give him another fight. Like, why, dude? His last fights have been. He's lost. He's absorbed so much damage. Why are you sitting here giving this man another fight? Tell him to quit, bro. Like, I don't know, man. I'm sorry for that, but it's like six losses, right? Well, if you want to take the okay, because the other one was like a no contest, right? Yeah, or it was draw, draw, I think, right? Something like that. It was a no contest, yeah. Okay, so you have that right there. Yet you have a person like Tyron Woodley who, you know, we gave him a lot of, you know, flack as well, too. But this this is a guy who is a champion Mm -hmm. and. Who you know was on a four fight winning streak as a champion as well too, defending his title, and then again gets like about five to six losses and you boot him out. But yet yeah. Cerrone still gets another shot. What what are you gaining with Cerrone? Nothing. You're right. It's a no contest. I apologize for that. You're not mm-hmm. you're not gaining much, bro. You're not gaining much. I'm telling you. Sometimes at the end of the day, I still believe it's favoritism in the UFC. This guy should not be allowed to go into the cage whatsoever if something happens to this guy it falls on dana's hand and i don't want to hear no the fighter you know whatever contract he has the rights to turn it down no but you as a boss you know as that as your employee you can sit here and say bro you did as a chocolate dough you get what i'm saying so it's not like it's been done but look look at this tony ferguson dr stoppage tko justin gagey tko punches conor mcgregor tko Alex Morono, TKO. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not like they've been by decision. It's, he's absorbing damage. So you're just fucking this guy up by giving him this last fight, honestly. And it pissed me the fuck off when I saw it. I was like, come on, Dana. And I'm sorry I'm getting aggravated. But at some point, you got to intervene and sit here and say, bro, call it quits. I'm saving you. I'm going to save you, man. I'm going to save you, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, we, we, are, we are yeah. in that situation right now where... The fighters that we grew up with, you know, in the last 10 years mm-hmm. are doing more damage to themselves and their legacies as well, too, nice. to try to get a pretty buck from the UFC, which is not even giving the amount you should kill yourself for in yep. that octagon. Like, if you're going to at least damage your body and try to get that one more, yeah, Gary Busey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> might as well go to a balance or go to a one yeah. You know, go somewhere where at least if you are going to have a losing effort or at least a Bushido mindset, like live by a sword, die by a sword, make sure you're getting paid in the process, man. Exactly. Facts, bro. Because the fighters that we grew up on, oof, they are long gone, hitting that dusty trail. Speaking about fighters that we grew up on, as of recently, Anderson Silva said he is done with MMA. Possibly the GOAT. Oh, I'm going to ask you that. Is Anderson Silva the GOAT? And what is your favorite Anderson Silva moment memory? And how do you feel when you heard about the snooze? Hmm, is he the GOAT? Um, yeah, that, that one's difficult to say right now, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say he's not the GOAT. I think he was a GOAT for his generation. Okay. Like but not that. of all time. I think if you're looking at the body of work and the challengers that he fought at that time, they're not as nearly as dangerous as we have right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at uh, 
uh, Talos Ladies. Remember that fucking title defense right there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I can't say like, oh, was you're Talos Ladies, you dude? <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He laid out that whole entire fucking match. No. Um, you know, mm. you have those matches there, so I don't know. But um, for his time, yes. And my favorite moment, I gotta say, as much bullshit as it was, <laughs> I mm. did love that first Chael Sutton fight. And oh, just God. coming out of his ass with that triangle within, like, what, a minute left in the fight? Fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. But, I mean, he does have some names, bro. Like, is Vitor Belfort a legitimate name that you could sit here and say you beat Vitor Belfort? Yeah, I could say that because okay. that was the most dangerous Vitor we saw. And he got knocked the fuck out. True, true. I mean, he's beaten... The likes of Damian Maya, Forrest Griffin, Talis Lady, Patrick Cote, Dan Henderson, mm-hmm. which a lot of people love themselves from Dan Hendo. Oh, my God. You remember James Irvin? <laughs> oh, oh, James uh, Irvin. Rich Franklin, Nate Marquardt. So, I mean, yeah, I would probably have to agree with you, honestly, like maybe for his time. But I can sit here and say, okay, I can – Possibly put him in there, maybe tie for the go because it's the way he dominated. I think, like, if, to me, if you know, and also the impact he's he had on the sport, where like I feel that if you do as well, phenomenal outside for the sport, it just kind of like you know completes the whole package. And I mean, we always knew Brazil's a hotbed, but bro, Anderson Silva, I mean, he made he's made freaking. Soap commercials, uh, shaving cream commercials, <laughs> commercials here in Brazil, and he put—I don't want to say he put Brazil on the map, but bro, the whole country was a rocking, and everything was in Brazil with him. So, and then just the way he dominated and destroyed these opponents, and well, uh, yeah, I'll say this: I think it's because we never got like the redeeming story of Anderson Silva. You look at the greatest fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll throw one out there because the other one didn't hasn't had that. Uh, maybe he has, but let's say one right here. You look at GSP. I, you know me. I'm not the biggest GSP fan, yeah. but you know, even with GSP, his losses they made him even better. Like That's... the legacy of GSP goes with you know the Matt Sarah knockout and then the redemption of beating him afterwards and then of course the Matt Hughes matches mm-hmm. as well too um the Michael Bisping you know winning the middleweight title like he has redemption arcs that you cannot deny how great of a fighter he is and I guess someone that can be matched with Anderson right now because the only reason why I take him out of all time all time is that mm-hmm. after his his Chris Wyman incidents um, it just became a slow decline, and his legacy almost was kind of tarnished in that way. He wasn't the same Anderson that we saw, and with that, you saw the the incline in the career of John Jones. And you look at the credible fighters that he's fought, and the wars that he's had. I think John Jones could be a step ahead of Anderson Silva at this point in time. Ooh, I like that. I like that, man. And. You're right. It was kind of it was kind of like very similar fighters, eerie similar, and one was on the rise, one was on the decline. So mm-hmm. I definitely see that right now, man. So yeah, but we got the retirement. He's one that's going to boxing. I mean, we know he's boxed as well, so he's good. Um, and I don't think Anderson Silva would 
kind of dabble in those shenanigan matches. Maybe that's just me, but if the money's good, you know, the monkey will dance for it. But um, I don't think it's a money issue, though, for Silva. I think he still loves the fight. Yeah, that's all it is for him. I think he's a rare exception from everyone else transitioning into boxing where he's just like, huh, all right, if I can still throw a punch, I'm going to fight. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I give him credit for that, especially if it's a different sport. He wants to, like, kind of Michael Jordan it, rock and roll, do it. But, you know, you got you also got to understand, you know, he is coming off of many injuries. He's yeah. not a spring chicken, and there's a lot of killers out there. The last we want to see is – um Anderson Silva further hurt his reputation as a great fighter. Agreed, agreed. So going from one GOAT um, to possibly a fighter that can become a GOAT and is chasing the, let's, for argument's sake, let's just say the female GOAT right now. We have, I want to get your views on Dana's comment about Kayla Harrison. Mm-hmm. We, kn- we know Kayla Harrison. I know you love Kayla Harrison because she does it to judo. Olympic medalist, judo, uh, fucking beast. I'll throw the label on her. She is a savage. She is a step above of a lot of what I've seen. I'm super high on Kayla Harrison. Every time she goes out there, she just dominates and destroys. She sits here and says she wants to go to the UFC. She chases Amanda Nunes because she wants to be known as the best ever. We heard Dana White say she is not ready. He said the UFC is a step above what she's used to, what she knows, yada, yada, et cetera. So then he mentioned some names like a, a Holly Holm, a Jermaine Duranamy, Aspen Laid, Juliana Pena. Those four names he dropped, he believes they're a notch above Kayla Harrison. I'm like, huh, okay. To me, she beats possibly all those names easily. Do you think, is this just him really legitimately saying do you agree with his comments that Kayla Harrison is not ready for the UFC or is this him protecting his Amanda Nunes investment uh I don't know if it's a protecting I, I can see it from both sides I'm, a, I'm gonna okay. be a little I'm gonna be Switzerland for this one to bring that back. <laughs> oh yeah Switzerland <laughs> <laughs> so you know She's a training partner of Ronda Rousey. She has the credibility to do it. You know, mm-hmm. she, you know, Olympic, you know, medal winning athlete, mm-hmm. just like Rousey as well, too. And, you know, I think her style, if she does train with Rousey, you know, we, we make fun of Rousey being a one trick pony, but that one trick fucking worked for almost, if not 98% of her career. Um, so she found success in what she was doing people just couldn't figure it out and i could probably still think in my heart of hearts i'm not a rousey fan but i still think that she can still beat a couple of people in the ufc right now so um it's just implementing that judo implementing that submission game um damian maya made a career doing it before he started doing striking Mm -hmm. um so yeah i definitely feel like she can make it in any mma organization with without a doubt and be a champion but um, I do agree when it comes to not putting her against Amanda right off the bat because well, of course not. Amanda's a beast and she finds any weakness in anything and she will expose it. Uh, I think she would have a hard time with Holly Holmes because Holly Holmes is a weird, a very weird competitor. Very weird competitor. Uh, but anyone else? Or Jermaine, um, you know. You That's know, the, laid. Aspen, Juliana Pena. Pena, you know, Sarah McMahon. 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I think she'll go ahead and put wars with these competitors, if not win them all. Uh, I do think Holly Holm, yeah, I think Holly Holm, for some reason, she is like Impact Wrestling. She never, she will never go away. Um, <laughs> she, yes. she, she is someone that has stuck around through the test of time in the UFC, and even with her losses, she still come back and came back, and sometimes she looks better when she comes back. Like I don't know what it is with Holly Holm, but. She she has that the preacher's daughter never gives up seriously, yeah, yeah bro. And she doesn't. She's she's very weird and unorthodox. I think that's what gets her by. She mm-hmm. reminds me somewhat similar of a Keith Jardine. Like you really can't mimic her style. I mean, she exactly she trains it. She trains in Albuquerque, so she has some great partners out there, John Jones, things of that nature. So I agree. If there is somebody that gives her a challenge, would probably be Holly Holm. But I think once she gets it. It's just that Kayla, man. Maybe I'm just too high on her right now, but we see her go out there and just do things that I'm not saying we haven't seen before, but she's like a tank. Once she has you in her grasp, bro, that's it. It's over. She's taking you down. Simple judo, tricky judo, whatever judo. Bro, she could just muscle you to the ground. And then we saw the destruction. She can make featherweight. We saw the destruction in Invicta 43 where she had that freaking blood sacrifice of... um. Courtney King. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can see where you say where maybe it, it just has to happen. If she wins this PFL tournament, retains, and gets a million bucks, it has to happen. It has to happen. Then I'll start considering maybe, okay, you're protecting Amanda Nunes because, oh, man, Amanda Nunes is a beast, bro. But I think Kayla Harrison, and it's the fight that everybody wants to see. So You know, I don't know, man, because um, if I'm Kayla – and I'm seeing mm. Dana White's comments, and I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go full full pro wrestling with this, and I'm gonna go in business for myself. I'm gonna make you want me, and I wouldn't even respond, give myself any kind of response to Dana White right there. I'm like, okay, this is what you think of me, no problem. Well, um, let me after I'm done with PFL and mm. I win this, let me go to Bellator. Let me take on Cyborg and show you what I could do against an elite striker. Boom. Mm-hmm. Um, let me go to, you know, 1FC and see what I could do against the elite young strikers of this day and age. You know, mi- let Dana White feel like he missed out on something. And I think she could, number one, grow her pockets because all those organizations mm-hmm. are going to put her, uh, just go ahead and punt her a buttload of money. And two, you're eventually going to grab the eye of Dana White real fast because he's not one to say I messed up. But he'll know, like, okay, yeah. I should have been sniffing around this earlier. Yeah, for sure she's on his radar. She did answer, and I'm glad that you say that, because it, it, it always comes down to a money issue with the UFC. Because she did say where she responded back. She didn't think much of the comments, but she said, when he's ready and if he's ready to pay me a lot of money, I'll make him a lot of money. So, man, it, the stigma where Uncle Dana doesn't want to go deep in the pockets keeps plaguing him. And like you said, perfect, bro. This is a lot. Bro, Bellator will pay them. Freaking yep. everybody will throw a buttload of money at her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. I just think it's a little – comments a little, little sus, man. It's a little sus. But definitely would like to see some Kayla Harrison in the UFC. Oh, man. There's so much to go on. Is there something you want to touch? Or Yes. 262 um, press conference. All right. 262 press conference. Let's hear it. What did you get? Bro, did we hear the interaction with Tony Ferguson and one Michael Chandler at the press conference? 
Wait, you broke up who? Ooh, one Tony Ferguson and Michael Chandler. Oh, brother, I lost you. Ooh, no. do you hear me now, sir? Yes, now I hear you. Okay, so did you hear the conversation between one Tony Ferguson and Michael Chandler? No, actually, I didn't get to see that, man. Like, that's why I was like, let me have it. Because I think I did see a Benil Dariush interaction where he, he called him a dick, I believe it was. <laughs> so you have your man, Michael Chandler, just promoting mm-hmm. the fight and how he's going to be the next champion. And Tony Ferguson cuts this bad boy right off. Says, Ooh. you avoid the fight for me. You know, you're punking out like a little bitch. And you're just being, uh, you're, you're just being privileged to, to Dana White right now. Your Uncle Dana's boy right now. Oh, that is, that is some good interaction right there. I mean, I don't think. Sorry for cutting you off. I don't think he he's ducking Ferguson. It's just honestly, of Ferguson is not going to do much for his stock. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? According so to think, Ferguson, he said, "I gave, I said yes to the fight. You're the one that turned me down." I mean, yeah, bro. It, it has to be, bro. Chandler's <laughs> one of the baddest motherfuckers out there. I don't think he's afraid of. Tony Ferguson, I just think he's a smart fighter. He's been vouching for the for the title fight since he got into UFC. A lot of people call him King of Cringe. We've seen this guy do some of the best WWE like work. True, you know, vouching because he, he he Tony Ferguson, man. As much as I love Tony Ferguson, even if Benil Daryush beats him, it's not going to do much for his stock. No, Tony Ferguson. No. I mean, I was sitting here defending Tony Ferguson a while back on Twitter, but looking at it now. And looking at the predicament where Michael Chandler's at and the predicament that he came into and that he punched himself into by knocking out Dan Hooker on his debut, bro, I would turn down the Tony Ferguson fight too. I don't mm-hmm. think there's any way possible that Tony Ferguson could hurt to, uh, Michael Chandler. Because if Michael uh, Chandler feels uncomfortable, you're going to take that boy out and ground and pound him. I'll tell you this much. Uh, if, if this mm-hmm. is a game of, of war and attrition... El Kokui already mm-hmm. is starting to win that war because he already is getting into the head of Michael Chandler. You saw it in the press conference. He mm. is getting frustrated and flustered of hearing Tony Ferguson yap in his ear. That's mm-hmm. a sign right there of emotions taking over if those two combustible elements were to fight. And yeah, you're right. I, I don't think Tony Ferguson has the power to maybe a knockout on Michael Chandler. But damn, do I feel that if he gets in his head and makes Michael Chandler be fucking emotional, we could see Michael Chandler get cut up the way Eddie Alvarez cut him up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But then again, I feel this is Tony Ferguson still trying to talk himself into title picture. Because we know he... Yeah. (laughs) We know he's been looked for so long, bro. Like, overlooked for so long. Where people don't even sit here and just kind of consider him a threat anymore. The fans, you know, consider him washed, as they love to say. And he's just constantly trying to stay relevant in this title picture. Because in his mind's eye, Muchacho, I mean, you have to be confident. You have to believe that you're going to win. He thinks that he's going to beat Benil Daryush and get himself a title shot with Michael Chandler. And nah, bro. Nah, bro. You got to get past Benil. But... I, I can see what you're saying. If maybe this was Tony Ferguson, I'm not going to say when he was on his destructive streak, but maybe if this was Tony Ferguson, possibly like, huh? Was it Justin Gagey that rinsed him and then everything went to hell? Yeah. Yeah, man. Because I think Justin Gagey just has that power. He takes souls. But I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting, interesting matchup. And maybe he's just laying the seeds 
for a possible, you know, title fight between them if Michael Chandler wins. Or True. possibly a fight between them if whatever happens. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. But were there any – because I, I didn't catch it. I was out here doing a few things. But were there any um, moments in the press conference that were kind of cool? That was really about it. I mean, he did acknowledge Oliveira as someone who beat him. He was like everybody in that other corner right there, I could rinse, um, you know. You know, except the guy right next to me. <laughs> so <laughs> he gave him some props. So I give, I give that. You know, I'll, do you want to just give a, a brief rundown of of um two sixty two? Yeah, we could do that. We could do that. Um, while I pull the card up, I want to ask you, mm-hmm. Tony Ferguson, man, Tony Ferguson. He's in a weird predicament. Where does he go from Saturday night if he loses? Well. You know, we're looking at that Benil match, and we're looking at Ferguson. You know, it's 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 a very 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 difficult match because um, that top five picture mm-hmm. is so unique in that division. It's unlike any division right now because it really it really is whoever has the most impressive performance in like the f- top five can easily slip in for a title shot. You look at, you know, that Connor Poirier fight that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Anything happens with that could be title implications. If you have, you know, the Neil, you know, tap out Ferguson, that could be title implications. If you have Ferguson come out and start swinging some elbows against the TKO, that could be strong enough to get out somebody's winning streak and wiping them out, you know, showing that he is a boogeyman. Um, and then you have so much more beyond that, like, you have, you know, Gagey, who's still in the mix in a way. He's still around. Um, you know, it's 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 a very weird situation in this division. But, yeah, yeah I, I think if he loses, though, that's going to be the hard part right there. Because then I don't say we're getting into, like, a Donald Cerrone moment. But mm-hmm. I will say that we're getting into ah, – who's a good – who's a good uh, – represent, someone who represents this right now. Um, let me see. Leo ah. Machida. I, nah, I think Leo Machida is too far gone, bro. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, thinking of a name to represent this scenario. Stipe? Uh, maybe, maybe Stipe, but still, I think, nah, man. Um, I don't know. It's weird. I feel like we've seen this before, this predicament that Tony Ferguson is in. I don't uh, feel like it's like a BJ Penn or Diego or even no, a Cerrone. No. I think Michael, that, Michael Johnson? No, I think he's above Michael Johnson because this is a guy who tasted okay. gold. This is a guy, yeah. you know, who is champion, who still considers himself champion. And I think if he were to pull out a spectacular performance on Saturday, I think he was Hen still Burrell. there. Yeah, I could say Hen and Burrell. Or... Um, yeah, Henan Burrell works. I think I think Henan Burrell is still a little lower than Ferguson because after he lost the title, we never heard from him again. Um, <laughs> kind of like what's going on with Ferguson. No, but, but, but we, we, we hear Ferguson. He stays relevant. Um, um, I had another one. Oh, Carlos Condit. There you go. Yeah. That's, Car- a, that's perfect, a good one. Perfect yeah. one. They both interim champions. They both were overlooked many times. They weren't considered the top fighter because the top fighter was like either injured or something. And, you know, their careers just kind of went to the wayside. I think Condit a little far more, but I think that's mm. also Condit's fault too. I think Condit, 
Oh man, but I- I'll digress. Right? Yeah. we talk about kind of another day. <laughs> candid, candid. <laughs> All right, so yeah, before we start wrapping up this podcast, man, um, yeah, we can talk about UFC 262. Before we jump into 262, really quick, I wanted to talk about two things because I haven't got your opinion on them. We know that Dan Hardy's officially released from the mm-hmm. UFC. He's spoken about one championship risen. Really quick, where should he land? Where would you like to see him land? Oh, man. One championship so he can at least show some MMA skills because Risen, uh, that's dangerous. Them boys okay. gonna, those boys are going to hit hard. But um, mm. middleweight or light heavyweight, though? Oof. Mm. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, I don't know. I think middleweight. I think middleweight, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Entertain light heavyweight. I mean, I, I know, know he's bro. a tall motherfucker, but, like, nah, my boy, he had a pull, bro. F- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm saying. You gonna be fat, fat. You know what I mean? You gonna be fat husky Dan Hardy. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> I think, I think real quick. I think Risen. I think his personality, his intensity, his, um, just how he carries himself would be his fighting style. Because we do know he loves to like stand and bang. I think Risen would be perfect for him. We have seen a lot of colorful characters out there. I think Dan Hardy would just fit perfect at Risen. So I don't know. We'll see where he lands. One question before we keep moving into 262. Mm-hmm. Are you enticed about this matchup? I know you like I know you don't like your boy, but I'm super interested in this matchup. I cannot wait till September 25th. We're going to get Tiago Santos versus Johnny Walker, bro. Talk to me about that matchup. I want to get your opinions. I know you don't like Walker, but I think this is a p- very pivotal, important matchup for both fighters. As we know, Johnny Walker has a lot of hype, but we haven't really seen much of him um, since he got injured. Tiago hasn't really been the same since that leg injury to John Jones? Um, I think this is going to be all hype, but no substance. I, th- I think this is going to be a match where Johnny Walker is going to look at the, look at what Tiago has been going through lately and uh, sees the chicken armor, which is the takedowns. Mm-hmm. He's going to go for the takedowns, go for a double leg, put him to the ground and, just do his thing, unfortunately. I'm not a Johnny Walker fan, but I see this <laughs> not an easy fight for Walker, but I could see this just going like the Glover fight and him taking him down and having his way with him, maybe even into a decision. Um, yeah, for 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 Tiago, man, I think the inability to adapt from his style, like we said in the past podcast, he's a black belt, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But he doesn't use it. He stands and bangs, lives that Bushido lifestyle, wants to throw spinning heel kicks and shit, knowing that he has a bum knee. Um, Mm -hmm. Those days maybe passed. I could be wrong. We could walk into that fight. My man could come out fucking double flying knee. There you go, meteor sunrise, and Mm -hmm. call it a day. Uh, I doubt it. And unfortunately, I think this might be the decline of Tiago. The hammer might fall. (laughs) <laughs> the hammer might fall. Yanakuda Sky are bringing in the bacon. <laughs> I just wanted to get your views on that fight because I know you're really not a Johnny Walker fan, and I'm super hyped about that fight. I don't know why. I think Johnny Walker is going to shock a lot of people. I know we had some interaction on the page. Um, one of the guys that always interacting with us, Travis Miller, he said that, you know, skill-wise, yes, Johnny Walker can surprise a lot of people, but we do know Tiago has those lunchboxes. It's mm-hmm. just a question of the chin. But I don't think he's – of course, he has 15 minutes to try to hit him. But, man, I don't know. Honestly, I'm, I'm just – so I, I don't know. You know I love Johnny Walker. But I, I got Johnny Walker, man, second win, uh, second round TKO, honestly. 
I got I got Johnny Walker. But um, let's just jump into this UFC. You're a gracious season. man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've said crazier shit. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> So let's just jump into this UFC 262 so we can wrap this podcast up. UFC 262 is this Saturday night. We got that. I'm just going to start from the top, go all the way to the bottom. We got that phenomenal, phenomenal main event. Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler for the vacant, vacant, you hear me? For the vacant. (laughs) That's who wins. (laughs) For the vacant lightweight title, man. Finally, Charles Oliveira is getting his dues, but let, but let me just keep going because I don't want to get to the tangent. <laughs> like, the co-main event is at lightweight. We got Tony Ferguson versus Benil Daryush. The third fight is uh, Michael Christopher Schnell versus Rogerio Bontrino? Bontrino? Yes. <laughs> Bontrino. Then we got Caitlin Chukagan versus Vivian Aljuro. And then we got that banger of a match. Finally, Edson Barbosa, after like, what, a year or two, has a fight. He's going up against Shane Borgos. Burgos. Burgos. So, I mean, how do you feel about this card, bro? Strong card, weak card, what? Uh, all right. From top to bottom, I'm going to go from here. Um, I'm going to go Oliveira taking the gold. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Ferguson taking the fight. Oh, I'm you're gonna better say- man than me. I know, I know. I'm gonna go Rogero in that in that, that third fight. Yeah. And oof. Oh, I'm gonna go Caitlin over here showing her 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 lanky legs in that fight right there because I love <laughs> me some Caitlin. Yeah, Stern. I know you. I know you a leg man. <laughs> Stern, full woman she is. <laughs> and of course, no. I'm gonna go Burgos, man. I don't know why I'm going Burgos because as oof. much as we love some Edson Barbosa. And he has had some beautiful highlights, a.k.a. spinning heel kick to te- oh, Terry oh, Adam. Terry yeah. Adam's face. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, he knocked that dude's face into the third row. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man, those are my things right there. I'm excited, man. I'm ready for this. The beers are coming out. The nachos mm-hmm. are going to be flying. The notepad is going to be there. I'm going to be mm-hmm. studying these fights. And, oof, we're in it. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm super excited. I'll be honest, though. I'll be honest, though. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, though. Let's not get too flustered and caught up with the main event. This is a little, little I mean, a little kink in the armor. I feel that maybe the Caitlyn Chukagan, but the Matt, Christopher, um, I don't know, man. I think it, that fight is kind of like the little chink in the armor, but I'm not going to bash it. I think the main event has a lot of weight, but I'll just give my picks real quick. I, I can't. I like I said on the page, it's too hard for some for me to pick in the main event, bro. <laughs> like you know me, I love me both guys, but uh, I'm gonna have to go Charles because I think, like I said, it's a feel you good story. Better but, go Charles. You yeah. were fighting for that man to get this shot. I, I was. We I was. were fighting for this man to get that <laughs> we shot. We were. We were then just to turn around and go like. <laughs> Imagine the power Imagine. is Captain Pop Planet Powers to go away. Heart left. <laughs> I'm so done, bro. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Charles because the evolution we've seen both of us. We've seen the evolution of this guy just you know get better and better. And the feel good story I did catch. Um, I think on an interview where he said that at the age of four, he wasn't supposed to walk anymore because of a disease that he had, but you know, he fought through that. So I think it's just a feel good story. Chandler, like I said, possibly the best lightweight out of the UFC. 
until now. So I don't know, man. It's gonna be phenomenal. But I'm gonna go Charles. Like you said, we fought for this guy. Mm-hmm. Shit, we we done went to Twitter wars over Charles mm-hmm. Oliveira. So Charles Oliveira, we about to shoot, bro. We about to reach out to Charles once he gets the strap. Jump on the podcast. <laughs> like, yeah, we we made you, sir. No, <laughs> like, we're her. We built you up for that. Like, the Bronx <laughs> made do Bronx. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh, bro, co-main event. I'm a, as much mm. as I love Tony Ferguson. You know, I love me some blazing shades with the dancing and the boogie and all the stuff that he does. The colorful character that he is. I almost want to. You know what? You, yeah, you you swindled me. I mean, I don't did I. I don't think he's going to get past Benil, but you know what? I'm going to give him one more shot. Kind of like there was a last fighter recently that I gave him one more shot, and I was like, all right, fuck you. I'm done with you, bro. Like, <laughs> I, forgot what, I forgot who it was. Was it Pettis? Who was it? No, was it Rory? No. Nah, Rory, Rory's the man, though. Rory won. Hold on. Give me one, <laughs> give me one second. I think it was the last fight night. Um, two, was two, it Bader? No. Who was it? <laughs> Wait, who was it, bro? It was somebody that was telling my pops he was watching the fights. I was like, bro, I know you're going to lose, but I just gave you one more shot, brother. Like, <laughs> was it Cerrone? <laughs> nah, nah, it wasn't. Yo, nah, you know me. I'm full Cerrone, bro. Like, who was it? <laughs> Fuck, bro. I don't even know. But if, if it comes up, I'll tell you. Oh, Dominic Reyes. Dominic oh. Reyes. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Dominic Reyes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what though I'm going to go Ferguson I'm going to go Ferguson because I love me some Blades of Shades I'm going to go Ferguson yeah uh, the Bantamweight match though yeah I think I may roll Rogerio Women's Flyweight I'm going to go Vivian um, and then Ooh. yeah Featherweight uh, the first fight of the night bro I got to go Edson Barbosa hell no way <laughs> no, no way I'm going up against my boy Barbosa bro this dude he got the illest backed up blue balls right now to fight <laughs> Bro, if he gets he knocked out, it's gonna <laughs> fucking explode. <laughs> Blue ball juice everywhere. Nah, this dude is chopping at the bit, so it's a dangerous fight. And I would hate to be Shane Borgos on May 15th because Barbosa's gonna go out there and make a highlight reel out of him. And y'all could quote me, I'm telling y'all, Barbosa's gonna come like a bat out of hell. And just dominate. So I, I I gotta go Barbosa, brother. But it's gonna be a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal card. And yeah, like you said, beers on deck, brewskis, wings, food, junk food, pizza, everything, bro. We mm-hmm. got some. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, guys, this podcast wraps up. <laughs> <laughs> the energy, bro, got me hyped. It got me hyped. I'm gonna go to sleep right now and wake up. <laughs> like <laughs> maybe it's <laughs> Maybe it seems like don't wake me up till May 15th. Till May 15th is here. But yeah, man. Um, so guys, <laughs> we hopefully you enjoyed the craziness, stuck around for the little barbershop talk that we had. We definitely got duties because you know the MMA world always got some craziness going on. Mm-hmm. But if people um want to reach you out, bro, plug time, plug time. Let's go. Give me those plugs, brother. <laughs> people want to talk to you personally. If people want to talk to you about some wrestling, like we said in the beginning of the podcast. People want to talk to you about pop culture. Where can people find you at? Mm. Uh, the Lucha Val Cisco on uh, uh, the Instagram, Lucha Val Cisco on, on the Twitter. Um, and then, of course, Elite Wrestling Audio. If you guys want to talk about professional wrestling, if you want to talk about your, your Terry Runnels and Terry Funks of the world. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's Terry a good mix. Run- <laughs> <laughs> Terry Runnels and Terry Funks. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, that, bro, I remember. <laughs> I remember. 
the last fond memory I have of Terry Runnels was opening up the magazine and they had like the poster of her. <laughs> I knew you were a Terry Runnels fan. I never oh, liked yeah. that chick. Uh-uh. No, no, she was too. Yeah, was. She was too. <laughs> Silicon, Silicon Sally. I did not <laughs> want it. Hey, Silicon Sally. Like, I'm sorry, good. <laughs> Wrestling audio, you can find that everywhere, uh, all podcast platforms, Facebook, Instagram, EWA Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, and Lee Wrestling Audio on Facebook. Uh, pop culture fanatics, if you guys don't want to talk about Terry Runnels, but you want to talk about, <laughs> I don't know, um, Amy Winehouse or um, or Amy Adams and Superman, or if you guys want to talk about, you know, some some My Hero Academia. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Please. We do that us. all night. Ooh, yes, this, this is true. <laughs> we, we fan theory everything. <laughs> we fan theory Kendo to the Kendo rapper. <laughs> <laughs> yes. PCF Podcast on Twitter, PCF Podcast on Instagram, and Pop Culture Fanatics on Facebook. Pop Culture Fanatics is on all podcasts, podcast platforms podcast. everywhere. Yeah. It's the podcast. It's my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast. This is why I can't be crossfaded. Uh, um, I love it. I love it. We need more of this. <laughs> and of course, if you guys want to get into the video games of the world, please put those plugs out there, sir. Oh, excuse me. You called me while I was getting some water, some Skittles. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, like video games, lag underscore squishing. Hit us up on Instagram. That's lag underscore squishing. And that podcast is on Spotify and Apple. Which have you heard? You've seen the craziness, bro. They going in with um, what's her name? I don't even know how to pronounce her name. So I'm gonna call her Lady Damascus, bro. <laughs> they got the the porno mods all over the place with her. Listen, like, you put Lady Damascus alone. That that's a fine built vampire woman right there. You know. Okay. <laughs> but since we're on the talk of video games right now, there was you know an what? update no? for UFC. Uh, oh, there EA. was. UFC 4, which updated the hairstyles. Get this. Um, Israel and fucking Nganu. Oh, yeah. But yay, we still don't have our girl Angela Hill having her fro. What the hell, yay? It's I been a year. Brother. Oh, Angela and, Hill? Angela Hill got no fro still. I'm kind of pissed off. She got like a miniature flat top. It makes no goddamn sense. Get your shit together, yet. Uh, EFC. Look at me. UFC. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> Where was this drunk Val in the beginning? Like, <laughs> we should just like restart all this all over again. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but <laughs> you know what? I've been actually meaning to re-download that game once again and revisit it, bro. Damn, we gotta have some barbershop talks on a lot of these podcasts. But yeah, oh yes, I won't lie to you. I've been kind of enticed to go check out those Lady Damascus mods. So your mm. boy might do that tonight. The Thomas <laughs> Train Engine one. <laughs> that one looks fantastic. <laughs> That one, that one is dope. I do like the Resident Evil one, bro. I would play that all day with the Resident Evil one graphics. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I could get your video game talk there if y'all want to reach me personally. Hit me up and talk to me and be like, "Yo, Jay, shut the fuck up, Jay. This, Jay, that." Hit me up at my Instagram and my Twitter, which is Sun Eater UA. Yes, that is my hero. We can talk about my hero all day. So if y'all love my hero. Hit your boys up because we mm-hmm. love my hero here. So definitely, yeah, those are my plugs. I hope I haven't missed nothing. Right? Oh, I yes. missed nothing. You covered them all. I got well, you. Um, 
This podcast? Well, yeah, this podcast. <laughs> this is the part of the podcast where we call beers and cheers, everyone. <laughs> cheers. Beers. Beers and cheers. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the, the podcast. Yeah, okay, I'm all over the place. Um, <laughs> this podcast is available on Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. Exclusively. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> now you got me thinking about Jake. <laughs> ah, love. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This po- <laughs> this podcast is available on Instagram. Uh, the pages: Instagram, Twitter, Twitter, um, Facebook. <laughs> wow, bro! Like I'm just all over. Twitter. Yeah. Facebook. Mm-hmm. Instagram, hit us yeah. up, the Kamora Chronicles. The Twitter handle is TKC Podcast underscore. We're out there interacting, posting news, reactions, everything. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Google, Podbean, Flick the Bean, wherever you get your pod- podcast, podcast. I was about to say, wherever you get your podcast, <laughs> hit us up. It got a little funky, it got a little crazy, but hopefully you guys stuck around. This is the podcast. <laughs> this podcast. That's why I'm gonna start saying it from now on. This podcast. So this mm-hmm. podcast concludes and wraps up. I hope you. I hope you have fun, brother, because it was fucking great right now what we just did. <laughs> like, oh my god! All I'm thinking about is Beetle. <laughs> <laughs> Beers and cheers. <laughs> Good night, everyone. <laughs> Good night.